Good morning and welcome to Oasis Community Church Online this morning. It's great to have you with us, whether you're new to church or you're just visiting or whether you're catching up during the week, whether you're a regular at Oasis, we just wish you a warm welcome and we hope that you'll be blessed by this service today. Ian is going to be bringing the word today and we're going to be continuing in the series with Philippians and we've got Becky leading worship today as well. And in terms of worship, on my heart this morning was Psalm 34. So I'm just going to read the first few verses of that psalm where it says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. And I don't know about you, but when I read this psalm a few days ago, the word his praise will always be on my lips, stood out for me. And I've been reflecting on the challenges of the past year. And um, so before the pandemic, I loved worship. I love to sing and praise God. Um, but for those of you who know me well, know that I lost my voice in December 2019. So the act of praising and singing every Sunday morning became increasingly difficult. And while I was praying to God about why this was happening to me and what I could learn from this experience, I just felt the words come to me that said, voiceless but victorious. And it was a really important reminder for me that while I was facing this particular challenge or whatever challenge that we face in life, just remembering the fact that Jesus is with us always. He is faithful and he is victorious. And I'm reminded of John 16 verse 33 that says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, but thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So wherever you're at this morning, um, whether you're having a brilliant week or whether you are facing different challenges in your life, and also the fact that we're going through this season where there's a lot of restrictions, know that God is working. He is so faithful and kind to us and he is a good, good father. And this morning in my quiet time, I just had this image of somebody dragging their feet. Like a child walks along and he may drag, he or she may drag their feet along. Um, and I was just reminded of the fact that God is with us always. He's extending his hand to us and he wants to walk with us. There is an invitation there by God to journey with us. So why don't I pray for us this morning and then Becky will lead us in worship. So Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to engage with your word and to engage with others this morning. We give you thanks, Lord, for all that you are doing in our lives. Thank you for bringing us together online. Thank you for the technology and for all those who are serving in Oasis Church this morning, all those who are doing work behind the scenes, preparing for this event, Lord. And we just pray for Ian and Becky, Lord, uh, this morning, that you will bless them and you will minister to them. Father, I pray for each of us as we gather around your word, that you will just give us wisdom and discernment and you will open our hearts to what you have prepared for us this morning. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mary, for that. So let's uh, come together today and worship God. He is a good, good God, and it is a lovely day, so let's praise him. 
My worth is not in what I own, not in the strength of flesh and bone, but in the costly wounds of love at the cross. My worth is not in Satisfied.
Can we sing that chorus just once more? Just think there's something of God showing his nature 
just as we're worshipping and uh, declaring who he is, uh, let's just sing that chorus once more. Let's just let the words of the truth of who, who God is and what he has done through Jesus. Let's not just miss this moment right now. Enough, Jesus broke the chains. His love has won, he conquered the grave. He bore the cross at the price of your sin, and he's alive. He is enough, Jesus broke the chains. His love has won, he conquered the grave. The cross at the price of your sin, and he's alive, so death could not win. Mm. He is enough, Jesus broke the chains, his love has won, he conquered the the cross at the price of your sin and he's alive he is enough jesus broke the chains his love has won he conquered the grave he bore the cross at the price of your sin and he's alive so death could not Lord, we thank you for who you are. Lord, we thank you that your nature reveals your character. That who you are is what you do. Just as Becky was singing that, I just, I just felt that there was a moment where God was just saying, let's break the chains. That he is enough. He broke the chains. But for some right now, there's some chains that are weighing you down, chains that are keeping you from being all that you can be for God. And I just sense now in this moment, in the bizarre moment of uh, one year on of having church online, when church is not how any of us would prefer it. God says, I'm not limited. It's not going to restrict me. In fact, actually, that thing that you've struggled with for years, it's been a chain. Actually, in this moment, in the most unexpected of moments, I'm going to break the chain and you'll be free. And so if that's you this morning, I just want to encourage you. Why don't you just posture yourself right now uh, to receive from God? Um, you know, we're in a space and a place where um, our singing can become just a consumption. Someone sings and we listen and it's fantastic. And that is worship. But what about right now? You actually just put yourself in a posture to say, God, I'm going to I'm going to expect of you right now. God, I'm going to call on you and, and say, God, this chain has been uh, binding my hands. I'm going to hold them up and I'm going to declare that you can break the chain. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's a thought pattern, maybe whatever it is. Uh, maybe there's a set of circumstances that are just chaining you up. I want to encourage you right now. Uh, why don't you stand? Uh, why don't you uh, raise your hands? Uh, why don't you uh, maybe uh, just declare in the chat who God is? Just, just declare something of his nature. God, you break chains. As we declare the nature of God, his character is revealed. We see it throughout scripture. He declares who he is and then reveals who he is. 
so why don't we just declare who God is? Maybe right now you just need to speak out uh, and you declare that, that, that you are enough. You have broken the chains. Uh, maybe that's just the declaration this morning. I'm reminded of, uh, of Moses uh, in, in chapter eight of Exodus. And it just says this in verse one, it says, Yahweh said to Moses, go to Pharaoh and tell him, this is what Yahweh says, let my people go so they may worship me. God sets the people free from slavery for what purpose? To worship him. To worship him. Yes, with their singing. Yes, with their community. And yes, with their whole lives. A life of freedom out of slavery. Set to worship the one true God. I just wonder in this moment, God, will you set your people free to worship you? God, whatever chain may be binding right now, that chain of addiction, that chain of guilt and shame, that, 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 that chain that says I did this in the past and I'll never be free from it. God, I thank you that in you we're born again, we have new life. God, will you break those chains? I want to encourage you in this moment let's let's not just be passive consumers let's let's step into what god is doing families and just see families just stood together right now just saying you know what we're not we're not going to be angry at each other anymore god is a god of love and grace let's stand together and declare that over our family god will will you show us your grace and feed it into us so we'll be gracious and loving to each other. Those that feel weighed down, just while we were praying earlier, Becky shared that she woke up with uh, uh, the passage from Matthew of my yoke is easy, my burden is light. But we just declare that over your people this morning. Those that feel heavy and weighed down, we declare that, God, you are one whose yoke is easy and burden is light. That is who you are. Will you reveal that right now? You see coming up in the chat, my provider, my banner, people declaring my healer. Thank you, God, that nothing is too small and nothing is too big for you. My shield and my stronghold. God, for those that feel like everything is crumbling around them, God, you are the firm foundation. You are our strong tower. We declare that right now. Will you reveal your nature? Church, for us, our worship uh, and what, what I think uh, God says to, to Moses in that passage of releasing my people from slavery uh, to be able to worship me is this idea of, uh, of I'm going to I'm going to set my people free so they can do what they were created to do. Uh, not just endless singing, which we love to do. And I can't wait until we can be back together and just declare together with one voice, hearing each other, uh, just declaring who God is. But it was about a whole life thing. It was about them as a community. It was about uh, who they were going to be for God. Uh, and and so uh, we're just going to show a video now. Um, and it's part of our worship conversation between Becky and Joe, just around the question, how do you live your worship? 
And so as they chat, I just want to encourage you, maybe just invite God right now to speak into your life about, about our worship, about what it looks like for us to be released from that place of slavery and be set free to fully worship God for who he is. So uh, this is a moment of worship as we continue right now and press into who God is through this conversation with Becky and Joe. so much for doing this um so john has asked me to ask a few people the question how are you living your worship so uh how is your life reflecting your worship and uh so kind of over to you really and uh what you think about that question and your response to that for me worth um worship is a lifestyle um and there's almost two parts to it for me where it's it it's um, a heart issue um, and what comes from the heart and what you value. And someone has said before, worship, as in worth-ship. Mm. Um, what is of worth that you worship sort of thing? Yeah, that's good. Um, so I remember that. Um, and so for me, that is what's important is in the heart and what, we, what I know of God and... Um, as I've um, gone down, you know, journeyed with him, I think uh, that is just so important because that bubbles up out of your heart and then that bubbles up out as an external and um, how you show your worship. Mm. Um, so, um, yeah, so it's a knowledge of God. It's a relationship with him and it, it's out of that relationship and love um, that I've experienced um, and that then worship comes from that. So for me, it's not just about singing, singing songs, worship songs, um, but it's a lifestyle. So, uh, you know, it might come from your lips, you know, as in prayer, intercession, it might be singing. Um, but then it might be um, uh, deeds. So as in a sacrifice, you know, what you are, what I'm giving to other people. And um, as that relationship with God, I find he gives me the nudges and he talks to me. So what I try to do at the beginning of the day is uh, to have some time with God and um to uh, begin the day with him so that and to give him the whole day with everything that's I know that's going to happen but also the um, interruptions as well and the things that we were talking about that actually the other day weren't we those things come along that we don't know that's going going on Um, to try and be mindful and to uh, bring him into the day uh, of everything that I'm doing and sometimes um that sounds really perfect but it's you know it's an ongoing thing you have to sort of sometimes pull yourself up because you can get dragged into the day and uh, what's going on and then it's easy to then um try and do things in your own strength but it's just coming back in and and um and doing that the most beautiful thing that was very very recent was when my mum died yeah and uh 
the morning that um, she passed away, I was with her and um, that was just so beautiful and, um, you know, I was able to pray with her. But um, in the quietness when she'd gone, um, I was just able to sit there and just really worship God and pray. And it was, that was just, just beautiful. Mm -hmm. And, you know, knowing he was there, because it was so real, um, you know, I, I, he was just very, very present. And um, that is a, yeah, that was something that was quite powerful that's happened recently. Um, so out of a very sad time, it yeah. was just an overflow of worship, what God did. And I'm really reminded as you say that of Job when um, that first uh, account with Satan happens and his life is taken away and his family's taken away, his first response is he falls down in worship to praise God in that yeah. moment of suffering. And so as you were speaking, then I was really reminded of that and how that should be the first response in everything we do. And it's not always yeah. easy. But how wonderful is it that you could have that time with your mum and your first instinct and response was to thank God for what he had done. Yeah, 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 yeah that's absolutely beautiful joe thank you so much that's that's really really wonderful so uh, god bless you and thank you so much what a great church we have isn't it just just people talking about how we worship uh, jesus and so we're going to come and we're going to sing right now and i want to encourage you in this moment uh, why don't we allow our worship uh, to shift our perspective what worship tends to do, we, we, we put our, our gaze, our attention, our focus on that which uh, we want to put worth on. Like what Joe just said, we give worth and attention to that which is most valuable. And so as we sing together, as we uh, give this moment as, an, as, as a moment to, to fix our attention on God, I want to pray that, that as we lift our eyes to him, uh, things would start to be put back into perspective that uh, as people are, are writing in the chat, just saying, God, you're my protector, that in that moment where we feel fear and we feel abandonment and isolation, we look to who God is, our perspective shifts and we see the King of Kings. We see the King for who he is and his kingdom. And his kingdom is one where he says, I protect my people. Where we feel lost and we feel like there's no way we can get out of this. Jesus is our rescuer. God, right now, as we come and we worship you, whether that's through a, a posture of worship, where your scriptures talk about raising holy hands, if that's what we do right now, whether it's through what we say and we sing, maybe it's through an attitude towards somebody that's right next to us right now. Maybe just as we come and we fix our eyes on you, you start to show us the perspective of heaven on a circumstance and a situation and instead of it being about us uh, uh, thank you that we can make it about you and you're the god of the breakthrough so we declare who you are right now we declare that you are god you are faithful you are rescuer you are restorer you are king you are provider you are healer you're a restorer.
So God, as we worship you right now, we give you worth. Let us see you as you are. Shift that perspective up that mountain. Our eyes may be downcast, looking at the feet that, as, as Mary said earlier, the feet that are scuffing along the ground. Lift up our eyes, lift up our heads. Let us see you. Let us see you. Let your people see you right now. Becky, will you just lead us?
the earth will shout your praise our hearts will cry these bones will sing we declare that's that's our declaration this morning great are you lord great are you when anything else uh, words just fail we just declare how great you are thank you for who you are help us to see you as you are in the midst of the circumstances and situations we find ourselves the god in those places and spaces where we feel exposed your you're the one that clothes us when we feel abandoned. You're the one that, that surrounds us when we feel broken. You're the one that puts us together when we feel uh, sick. You're the one that heals us. God, when, we, when we're in that place where uh, we feel like there's no way you could be here, God, you show up. And so we thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, church, we are one year in almost to the day of uh, lockdown starting this time last year. What a year it's been. Uh, it's just been uh, a year of, I'm sure, for all of us ups and downs. But I just want to declare God's faithfulness in it. Uh, the opportunity that that he gives us to still gather, although it's not how we would prefer. Uh, just the encouragement that you've been to me just faithfully. I want to thank you for your faithfulness during this year uh, of just uh, of just gathering together uh, and putting our preferences aside and saying, you know what, we're going to be a people that declare who God is, spur one another on. Uh, and I think in and through that, God's doing something really significant. Uh, and so I, I want to invite you next week is our last Sunday of the month service where we gather online uh, through 
Zoom, so there'll be no live stream next week. Uh, it'll be on Zoom. So uh, maybe you don't like Zoom. Can I just encourage you? I hate Zoom. You know, uh, you, this may be a surprise to you, but I'm like pacing up and down in my room before a Sunday morning because I hate Zoom. But actually what I've begun to realize is that it's an invitation to encounter God. Uh, and if we see it as that and we say, do you know what? I, I'm going to allow you, God, I'm going to give you opportunity to speak into my life. Then actually I'm finding in Connect Group and in uh, services, all those kind of things that uh, are not how I would want them. Actually, God is doing something in and through that. Uh, I'm sure I, there could be a preach on that, I'm sure. Uh, but I just want to encourage you, if you can join us next week, uh, we're just going to allow God to do some ministry. I uh, just really sense that as we enter into Holy Week uh, next next week, the beginning of Holy Week, Palm Sunday, I just think there's something that God wants to speak into our into our church uh, for this season as we explore what it means to regather and all those different things about being the church in this season, being faithful in this season. Uh, and so I want to invite you to come next week. The the link is all in the, the chat there with the passcode and the, the password and everything. We'll get that out through uh, connect groups and, and email and stuff this week. So if you're able to join us next week, that would be fantastic. Uh, also, uh, kids, um, uh, any point today, you can jump online with Kids Church. I know our kids were doing it early this morning, getting things ready as to what they were going to do and all that kind of stuff. And so uh, if you want to jump on at any point today, then you can click on the link in the chat and get through to Kids Church with those guys at Virtual Sunday School who have just been so faithful over this year of just providing uh, kids, uh, kids Church uh, for so many different churches. So we want to thank them. Uh, and so if you can click on that, that would be great. Also, if you feel you're able to sow into the life of the church, financially uh, we've been so blessed by uh, the generosity of each one of you during this season God is uh, has been so uh, revealing his generous nature through each one of you in, in how you've just been uh, giving to the church but also giving time and your giftings and all that kind of stuff we've, uh, we've seen more giftings been revealed through this season than I have done before and so um, if you're able to give financially then there is a link in the chat but please there's no pressure to give uh, at all during this time but if you're able to that'll be there uh, and I think that's it I think uh, I'm going to hand over to Ian but let me just read the passage of scripture that we're going to be in we're we're kind of coming near the end of our uh, study into Philippians excited for what God's got for us uh, in a few weeks time but just really passionate to see uh, what he's speaking through this letter uh, into us uh, as a community just the joy that God can bring even when we feel confined and restricted uh, and Ian's going to share with us so if you've got a bible I think it'll come up on the screen as well uh, but uh, Philippians 3 starting in verse 18, it says this, For I have often told you and now say again with tears that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. They are focused on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await for the saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. What a fantastic passage of scripture. Ian, just going to hand over to you as you unpack that for us this morning. Thank you. Great. Thank you, John. Um, uh, yeah. I, I, why is it that we've been able to survive a year of lockdown? Why is it? We, well, not a full year of full lockdown, but uh, with restrictions being placed upon us. I, I think it's probably because we've, we've had a, a, a mindset to make the best of the opportunities and circumstances we find ourselves in, but actually because we've got a bigger vision of what God is doing and the gospel and the kingdom and the life that we've been invited into. So I, I want to encourage you, for those of you who've um, you've, you've journeyed this last year online, 
sure, we would all much rather be in the same room, no doubt. Um, and yet um, I'm confident that God is at work in us. And just picking up on Nikki's uh, post in the chat there, you know, I, I, I the, the, actually this year has, has helped to develop in her faith and relationship with Jesus. I think it's, it's brilliant. Um, uh, it's amazing. Um, because I think what that indicates is a, is a mindset that is determined to make the most of the opportunities that are presented. And so, Nikki, I, I, I'd love to hear your story a little bit more. Uh, you know, for those of you who have also found maybe the last 12 months where there's been some challenges, absolutely. But don't post your challenges necessarily, but post those moments that actually have been really helpful in your development and, and your walk with Jesus. Because this is what this passage that we've been concentrating on over the last couple of weeks is all about. It's actually about developing of maturity and faith in our, our life with Jesus. And so what um, Paul starts with the end goal in mind. Um, that's the, that, that, I think that's why Paul's able to cope with his time in prison. I think that's why Paul was able to cope with, his time, uh, with, uh, with persecution and suffering and trial and beatings and shipwrecks. I, I think he understood that the, the end goal was what he was focusing his attention on. And so today I want us to draw our attention to the end goal. What is the ultimate end goal? Because if we understand the end goal, then it enables us to keep going, even when maybe uh, uh, things don't pan out the way that we always think they should or they could. Uh, Stephen Covey um, is, a, is a leadership uh, expert, a writer, he's a businessman. And he, he says that actually the successful businesses, the successful leaders, always have the end goal in mind. Now, you might not be a leader, um, but actually you're, you're somebody who's putting your faith and your trust in Jesus. And so I think it's really helpful if we have the end, mind, the end in, in mind and objective before us. Um, verse 18 is really interesting. Because um, Paul's, Paul's been up until this point quite positive. He's, he said... Actually, you've got some great examples of what it looks like to be a follow, to, to follow Jesus. So you look at me and look at the others that I'm working with. Look at the people that, you know, around that are, fo- are, are passionately following Jesus. And then he goes in uh, verse 18. He says this. For I've often told you and say now and again with tears that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. So he's kind of tempering this with some reality is that life isn't always always easy that actually the faith that we live is not is not um ever promised to be a, a, an easy ride into eternity an easy ride with jesus but actually we are in a we're in a battle there is a, a war there's a spiritual war in unseen places that are contesting for truth and reality and hope and life and purpose and fullness and for the kingdom and those unseen realities often outwork its way in the in the very natural, ordinary things of life. So, well, who's Paul writing? Who's right? Who's he writing about? Is he is he writing about the uh, the false teachers that he referenced earlier? Is he writing a, about wayward Gentile Christians who have believed but have sort of started to go back to their pagan practices? Well, I, I wonder whether Paul's intentionally vague here. Because he doesn't want us to go. Oh well, it's, it's just relying. It's focusing on the, uh, the, the 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 pagan teachers and the false teachers 
who are seeking to try and disrupt. So we're not like them. So we're OK. And or is he talking about the, the Gentile Christians and the believers who have started to drift from truth? I don't know. I think Paul is just kind of issuing some warning, saying, look, be, be on your guard, because actually there are people who are opposed to the life that you want to live. The life that Christ has intended you to live. How many of us have experienced those moments where um, it, you, they wouldn't have a, a sign above their head saying enemy of the cross. And yet, you know, there's some things that you've encountered that have sought to distract you or tempt you or lead you or push you away from the purposes that God has intended you to live. It's true of us all, isn't it? it's true of me if I had the time this morning I'd happily share one or two of those moments with you but this is the reality is that we are we are in a battle and a battle that the end the enemy Satan who um, Becky referenced earlier in in her comment about about Job he's seeking to try and dis- steal kill and destroy the life that God has intended us to live enemies of the cross and so Paul says he he writes this and he says it with tears that many live as enemies of the cross. Why? Why is Paul so concerned? Well, actually, I think Paul sees the seriousness and the urgency of the gospel message and the seriousness and the urgency of those who would seek to, to, to destroy it or distract those from embracing the life that is available in Christ. Bob Utley says this. He says, the Christian life is a tension-filled life of assurance and hope as well as responsibility and warning. Salvation is not a product, but a new life. I think that's what captivates Paul. I think that's why he's so so um, strong in his writing. He's, he's saying, be aware of these enemies of the cross. Because if we listen to them, they, 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 they very easily will lead us uh, to other places. So how do we identify enemies of the cross? Because like I say, they don't necessarily have a, a sign on the forehead saying enemy of the cross, enemy of Jesus. I know, but there are four marks that Paul identifies here in verse 19. He says this, their end goal is eternal destruction and ultimate judgment. OK, Paul, Paul's not pulling any punches there, is he? He, he's very clear, actually, if you're if enemies of the cross, enemies of Jesus, those outside of Jesus, those who would seek to destroy the work of Jesus are, are on a path, on a, on a courseway to destruction, to eternal, eternal, eternity separated from God, isolated from him, facing eternal and ultimate judgment. That's what Paul writes because he's he's relaying and reflecting the teachings of Jesus. This this is something that is unpalatable for many because we live in a world of, uh, of embrace and love and mercy and kindness. That's what we seek to strive. And we do. We do want to be those kind of people. But our enemies of the cross will face ultimately judgment for the life that they've lived. We can't paint that any other way. Now, before you think I'm just getting uh, I'm, I'm going all hardcore and fundamentalist. Um, this is this is not my truth. So if it was my truth, I would be going, you know, love everybody. Everybody will be OK in the end. Uh, but the, the reality of it is the gospel doesn't allow us to do that. There is a choice that we make in this life to either walk with Jesus or or go a separate way. And going a separate way will ultimately lead to um, 
to eternal separation. Secondly, he says the second mark of the of of the of an enemy of the cross is that God is their stomach. Um, now this clearly might have references to literal gluttony and that sense of people who are pursuing the desire. But actually, there's something quite metaphorical about it: is the desires, the the, the fleshly desires that are, are, are that they pursue, the lust of the flesh to do what they feel is right. So whatever makes me feel happy and valued and loved, and I'm going to pursue, uh, they, they say, I'll pursue that because that's where I'm going to find my ultimate meaning and purpose. And, and it's never true because lust in all its form is never truly satisfied because it always demands more. And so this really is focusing about on the, on the things that we give our worship to and our value to and the enemies of the cross Paul says they give their focus on the things that would feed the fleshly desires and give license to it because, well, it's, it's just the body, isn't it? It doesn't hurt anybody. It's just, it's, it's mine. Paul would write, it's a, an indication of a enemy of the cross. Thirdly, he says the glo- their glory is their shame. They boast in things that are shameful, but ac- according to the world, um, they don't see them as such. And so they become a boast. They become a brag about their achievements and their conquest. Fourthly, they're focusing on, uh, is, is on is earthly bound. It's bound to the things that are temporal, the things that we just see in the here and the now and, and the now moment of this is all we have. No perspective of anything that is to come or bigger or beyond our understanding our, our understanding in the in, in comprehension of what is uh, what is to come in Christ Jesus I, I think it's it's very now and me focused and Paul says that if you identify want to identify some enemies of the cross would be quite self-centered self-focused self-seeking self-serving and actually not too bothered about other people but will be desiring that that own their own satisfaction from that which they gain conversely he then goes on to say in verse 20 but our citizenship our our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await for a savior from there the lord jesus christ he will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. This is who we are. So for those of us who are, who are followers of Jesus, this is what's available to us and this is who we are. We have been transferred from one kingdom into a new kingdom. We've been transferred from darkness to life. We've been transferred from enemies of God to friends of God. That's what's available and that's who we are. Maybe you're watching this morning and you uh, and you you're you're kind of tuning in for the first time and you're 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 maybe you're not a follower of Jesus. You're thinking, what on earth have I tuned into to be told that I'm an enemy of God? Well, that, that was true for us all. Every single one of us who are watching this call at one time would have been an enemy of God. But because of faith and trust in Jesus, the hope of the resurrection and putting our faith in Jesus, we've become friends of God. It's not because we all automatically had a a change of heart. It's no, it's because we had a revelation of Jesus and who he is. And so the invitation for you today is to put your trust in Jesus. 
But for those of you who are followers of Jesus, I want you to understand what is available and who we are now. See, we are, our end goal is in, in heaven, the resurrection, that which is to come. Now, heaven, yes, which is to come, but there's something so much bigger and so much grander and so much more than we can begin to understand or comprehend is that one day Jesus will return to establish a new heaven and a new earth, a reconciliation of heaven and earth together under the lordship and rule of King Jesus, who is good and perfect in all his ways, sovereign over all things. Our end goal is not what we see, but that which is to come when Jesus returns. It's an interesting concept, citizenship. Um, I don't know about you, I, I filled out my census and uh, had to make some choices about what, what, how I identified in terms of uh, nationality and, and all of that, ethnicity. It was, well, and that's important, isn't it? It's a part of who we are. And you would maybe do the same. You'll do the same. Maybe. Citizenship is, is crucial. But Paul is, is picking up on the, the, this, this city of Philippi, which is a Roman colony in Macedonia. It's it's in a different location, but identifies with Rome. It's a, a colony who would operate and give allegiance to, to the emperor. You see, what would be really important is if the emperor came to visit them, it would be, it'd be magnificent. Everything would be put in order and, and there'd be great, uh, a great honour. And, and yet we, as God's people, we're identified as citizens of heaven. So we are brought into a different realm, a different kingdom. We have a different way of operating. It doesn't mean to say that we're, we don't have to operate according to the laws of the land. We do. So you can't go out this afternoon and, uh, and drive as quickly as you like because you're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Well, no, actually, you, you obey by the laws of the land. But actually, we, we operate in a different way. And so because we're citizens of the kingdom, actually, you obey the laws of the land. You, you, you pay your taxes, you don't steal, you don't drive at excessive speeds, you, you don't murder, you don't do all of those things because, one, it's morally right to not do those things, but actually the way that we behave in our attitude and actions, in the ways that subtle ways and subtle differences to the, to the enemies of the cross is really important. So those big things, most people would agree, well, you don't drive at excessive speed and you don't murder and you don't steal and you pay your taxes because that's the right thing to do. But what about the way that you speak about the people who are not in the room? The people that everybody else is going, oh, they're, they're just a waste of space. Da, 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 da. How are you speaking about those people? How are you engaging with your neighbours and your friends and your colleagues in a way that is dem demonstrative of allegiance to a different kingdom, to a, to a king who, is, who rules over all things, whose name is Jesus? I think that's some of the challenge that we have as the citizens of the kingdom. In the big stuff, it's easy to identify and be like everybody else, but it's the small stuff, the things of attitude and heart that manifest itself in the way that we behave. Um, moving quickly on, uh, citizens of the kingdom. Uh, secondly, the thing that we identify with is uh, our God is a saviour. 
He is the savior, not just a savior. He's the one who's able to redeem us and transform us and change us and rescue us from being an enemy of God to being a friend of God. Now, again, this would be really interesting for the, the, the readers because they would be understanding this in light of the Roman emperor who was deemed the sa- a savior. And Paul is saying, actually, no, you, you, let's, let's put this into some perspective. Our end goal is, is heaven. Our end goal is living eternally under the rule and reign of King Jesus and the new heaven and the earth. He is the savior. He's the one who's able to make this happen. We have to look for something so much more than simply in the here and the now. Um, thirdly, our, uh, our glory is in Jesus, who will transform our bodies into the likeness of his glorious body. I don't know what that's going to be like, but I do know that there'll be no more sickness. There'll be no more sorrow. There'll be no more suffering. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more disease. There'll no, be no more anxiety or worry. There'll be no more stress. There'll be none of the things that affect our bodies. The body won't decay in the way that it's decaying now. And I told you a few weeks ago that I'm on a bit of a fitness, um, uh, you know, pursuit to, to get healthier and, and look after the body um, because the body's important. But one day it will decay to a point where I'm gone. Because, but that's not the end. Because what, Paul seems to suggest and what what we recognize in the the resurrection and the hope that is to come is that one day there'll be and we'll have a new body. So let me just read some verses from 1 uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And if you've never read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, I'd strongly recommend you do. um, Just take a a bit of time this afternoon to have a read through it as in, in full and just get this picture of the hope that we have citizens of heaven so verse 42 uh, 42 and 44 say this so it is with the resurrection of of the dead sown in corruption raised in incorruption sown in dishonor raised in glory sown in weakness raised in power sown a natural body raised a spiritual body if there is a natural body there is also a spirit I, I, I don't know. I, I read that and I'm going, Jesus, I'm looking forward to that because I recognize that in the here and the now, this is quite challenging. This is tough. But that which is to come, that keeps our focus on the things that are truly important, the things that truly matter. It gives our attention to the, to, and, and focus to the way that we live our lives and we look after our, our, our own bodies. Now, why was this important? Well, actually, in Greek thought, Greek paganism, the body wasn't anything really. It was just a prison for the soul. And, and so when death came, the, the, the soul was released from prison. So that's why, you know, uh, there was so much um, uh, difficulty within the church because they were coming from this point of, well, it's just the body. It doesn't really matter, does it? Because what's really important is the soul. Paul doesn't think that way, actually. He says the body, is the, he referenced it in 1 Corinthians 6. The body is a temple, dwelling place of God. So look after your body. The way you treat your body is important. That's why Paul writes about um, whether it's what you, you know, eating or the way that we treat our body sexually is important because it matters. Because it's a, it's a, we're a temple of the living God. 
So respect the body. One day we'll have a new body. And I don't know about you, but I am looking forward to that day, that resurrection body, that resurrection of, 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 of who we are from the, from the dead. Okay, number four, a focus on one who is to come, who will uh, eternally establish his rule and his reign, consummating heaven and earth, no more suffering, no more pain. That's the focus. That's the hope. That's the goal in, our, in living our life for Jesus in the here and the now is that one day we'll be with him eternally forever and ever and ever and ever. No more. No, no more to come to an end. No more death death fully and finally conquered and defeated why why can we have this hope we can have this hope because jesus rose again in a few weeks time in easter we will celebrate the resurrection of jesus we'll celebrate that jesus conquered the grave bursting forth bursting out in glorious life in all its fullness is that jesus jesus has power over death so therefore, our hope is not in our ability to do this in our own. Our hope is in Jesus and his power and his ability to enable this to be accomplished. See, we in this life, in this moment, in the here and the now, we live. And I think we're to be an outpost of the kingdom. An outpost of a, a, world, a life and a world that is, is different. A people who are different. A people who speak of the king and his kingdom and his rule and his reign, giving a, giving a window for those whom God is calling to see and understand that there is something so much more than they're currently experiencing. Enemies of God can become friends of God if only they'll trust him and put their, put their faith in Jesus. It's open to all, to the whosoever might believe, to the whosoever will put their trust. God wants us to be this kind of people. He wants us to live a life that represents him, represents his kingdom and demonstrates a different way. I hope you'll join with me and uh, as, a, as a community as we seek to be that kind of people and spur one another on to, to, to life and faith in Jesus. And in verse, uh, verse one of chapter four, I'll end with this. So then, my dearly loved and long brothers and sisters, my joy and crown in this matter, in this matter, stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. Thanks, Becky. Thanks for that, Ian. Um, this song we'll just end with is actually a song that we wrote in our connect group together. Uh, we had a session where we asked God to just speak to us through his word and we turned to the Bible and just added lines of scripture that we felt he was telling us and leading us to. So um, yeah, I hope you enjoy this and uh, praise God for all he has done and for who he is. beginning was the Word, and the Word was God.
Fantastic. What a great song to finish our time together this morning with just a declaration of who God is. Just read those words. It says, he is the light that breaks the dark, makes the blind man see. 
He is the light that shatters our sin, that rose again, the Christ who sets me free. I just want to encourage you this week. Uh, it just seems like the, the thread of, of this morning has just been to, to put our focus, our perspective, our attention on who he is in the midst of whatever we've got going on. Who he is, is what he does. Uh, his nature reveals his character. Uh, and uh, let, let's not forget who God is, what he has done in and through Jesus and what he will do as he makes all things new. Uh, so I just want to encourage you, as Ian just read, uh, just a, a blessing over our church this week. And so then, my dearly loved and longed for brothers and sisters, I think we can say that about each other, can't we? Uh, loved, we love each other and we long to be with each other. My joy and my crown in this manner, I want to encourage you this week as we shift our focus, as we make sure our perspective is set on him. Stand firm in the Lord, who he is and what he's going to do. That's where our confidence is placed, dear friends. So, guys, we're going to finish our service right now. Uh, and uh, if you're able to join us next week, don't forget we're on Zoom uh, as we enter into Holy Week together. Um, we're going to take communion and have a time of ministry and stuff together, see what God does. So invite you uh, to be part of that. Um, but uh, we're going to officially close the service, but we are just going to play a video. Uh, just you may want to stay around and watch. It's just a three minute video that just declares who Jesus is. Just as we go through this week, let's be reminded who he is and what he's going to do, what he has done, what he will do uh, for for us to be able to be encouraged to keep our eyes fixed on him, the author and the finish of our faith. So have a blessed week and we'll see you all soon. The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's a king of Israel. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of the ages. He's a king of heaven. He's a king of glory. He's a king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a well-framed of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, he 
His life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And His yoke is easy. And His burden is light. I wish I could describe Him, but yet He's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's irresistible. Well, you can't get him out of your mind. You can't, you can't get him off of your head. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. Yeah.